0: Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sync Podcast. We are one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. For more information about who we are and where we meet, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Are you living the good life? Are you living the good life? Your best life, that blessed life that we see on social media, are you living the good life? And if your answer's no, what is that picture of the good life that, that came to your head as I asked you that question? When I think about uh, situations and, and times when I've, um, I've been in and I've gone, oh, that's just a good life, isn't it? It's when I, I've been on holiday, um, it's when I've been somewhere amazingly beautiful, and there's people that just live there. They live there. Me and my husband, Dan, we went, um, we went to New Zealand for our honeymoon to, to visit some family that Dan has over there as well. And honestly, I've never seen such a beautiful country in all my life. We did a road trip, and every stop we stopped at, we would meet people in, in cafes, um, in the places that we'd say, and we'd go, oh, theirs is the good life, isn't it? This is right on their doorstep. Unbelievable. And I don't know what the good life looks like to you, uh, sometimes when I've had a really stressful week, um, when, I, when I, I come to an end of a Sunday and I'm looking at Monday morning, um, I think about my parents, I call my parents every Sunday and they are retired and I think, gosh, retirement is the good life, isn't it? Um, and I don't know what this good life looks like for you, but I think we all have that, that same uh, idea, we, we, we recognise that in all of us, that there, there are situations that we see people in um, and we say that. Is the good life? I want a bit of that. And why am I talking about this this morning? Well, we're going to be uh, continuing in our passage in Matthew, and Jesus is going to speak about what the good life, the blessed life, that best life, what that looks like. So bear that in mind. That that good life that you had a picture of when I asked you this morning. What is Jesus going to say? Um, I think we're going to be surprised. Um, I think we might be quite challenged as well, Um, but I want us to see um, the encouragement that Jesus is bringing and why we should be excited about what Jesus has to say. Um, So before um, our passage comes up, um, we're in the Gospel of Matthew, we've been doing a series in this. Um, and if you've not been with us for the past couple of weeks, we've heard Matthew talk about Jesus' family history, we've heard him talk about his birth, uh, his baptism, and last week we looked at his temptation in the wilderness. This was all kind of prep, preparation for Jesus before he starts his ministry, and this morning today we're going to start when Jesus He starts his teaching, he starts his preaching, and we're in a a famous block of teaching, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, I'm not sure if you've heard of that before, Um, it's it's fantastic, I love it, it's a great piece uh, um, of uh, just a a huge amount of Jesus' teachings all in one, and we're going to be here for the next couple of weeks, just diving into what Jesus has to say in his Sermon on the Mount. So if you want to join with me as we read our passage today, we're in Matthew 5, um, and I'll be going to verse 12, and hopefully it might come on the screen, but it might not, so I'm going to read it very clearly and loudly. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Um, It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he said, Jesus, he's up on a mountain, mount, high place, whatever we want to think of. um, And we see these these crowds gathering around him. He's got his disciples around him. And who are these people? Um, I did have a picture, but we're going to imagine. There is coming a picture. Hey. (laughs) Hey. So these, these people, they were, they were crowding around. They were listening to what Jesus had to say. Um, these were people that were living in Israel. Um, they were kind of working uh, and living on ancestral family land that had been theirs for, for hundreds of years. But they were under Roman occupation. The, the Romans had come as part of the Roman Empire. Um, and, and for years and years, the, these, these people that were listening to Jesus, um, their life had not been the best. They were, they were looked down upon by the Romans, they were treated badly, and um, life was just quite difficult. Um, there was a huge amount of taxation, so when you went to work, maybe you were a farmer or, or a fisherman, and you had to give up all your hard work, so many of that to, to the Romans uh, who treated you badly. they looked down upon you. Life was far from the good life for these guys, and it had been for quite a while, and they were Jewish and they, they had The scriptures that we see as the Old Testament, and they knew that God had promised that he would come and rescue them. God was going to bring a saviour, a messiah, this glorious king from the line of David. He's going to come, he's going to rescue, he's going to transform their situation. And just before this passage that we've just read, back in Matthew 4, um, talking of Jesus, we hear Matthew describe that Jesus, he went throughout all of Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. This kingdom, the kingdom they had been waiting for, Jesus was announcing it's coming and it's coming with him. How exciting. They've been waiting, longing for this time of oppression, this occupation. God was coming in. This was the good life they had been longing for. And um, Just an idea um, that's going to be throughout this passage that I just want us to to quickly touch upon is this idea of the kingdom of heaven, the idea of the kingdom of heaven. Um, If you've read some of the other gospels, you might have seen it written as kingdom of God. Um, This is just a linguistic difference. It's the same meaning. Um, And what it's not, it's not a place. I know we live in the United Kingdom, um, and that's like a geographical location. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is not a geographical location. We can't get the train there. Um, <laughs> it's also not a place that we go to when we die. Um, so it's not a geographical place. It's not a place we go to when we die. It is the rule and reign of God. We could be in the UK. We could be in Israel. We could be in France, wherever that is. It's not a geographical location. The kingdom of God is when Jesus, when God, rules and reigns in our life. A couple of weeks ago, Michael talked to us a bit about what that looks like, Jesus in the driving seat. And Jesus is going to talk a lot about the kingdom of heaven, this kingdom that's coming. It's all through our passage. What does it mean? And Jesus, as he announces, repent, the kingdom of God has come near, he's declaring that it's coming and he's bringing it. Um, there's a another aspect to the kingdom that I think that is important for us to understand. It's on the thing behind me, um, and it's idea that the kingdom is now; it's here. The rule and reign of Jesus of God has come through Jesus, um, and we see that the cross, and we are living in this time that is now the kingdom of heaven. But it's also not quite yet. God has not realized the kingdom in all its fullness. It's it's a bit like, not very much like, but it's a bit like in my garden. Um, I've got some daffodils coming up. I don't know if anyone else has got any daffodils coming up. Um, And I look at that and I go, oh, spring has come. And then I also look around and I think spring has definitely not come yet. Um, There is a time when spring will come in all its glory and all its fullness. Um, And in the same way, the kingdom has come here on earth through Jesus but it's not come in its fullness. We are promised that that is still to come when Jesus comes again. So I want us to hold these ideas in our head as we look at this passage, as we look at this idea of the kingdom coming. And the first thing I want us to note is that Jesus is talking to a group of people. Who who are these people? What is this kingdom? Who is he announcing this to? And in, in Matthew 4, Uh, A bit before uh, this passage, 15 to 16, we see that that Jesus has come to Galilee. Jesus has come to Galilee to announce the kingdom of heaven. And we might just think, oh, yeah, Galilee, Jesus lives there. Of course, he's going to preach there. But he came to Galilee to fulfill the promise, uh, the prophecy of Isaiah back in the Old Testament, which describes uh, Jesus coming and teaching to a region full of darkness and people dwelling in the shadow of death. Jesus is coming deliberately to Galilee to bring his message in an unexpected place. Jesus isn't coming to grand palaces full of people, uh, rulers and warriors and great academics or the popular people, the high in society. Jesus is coming to Galilee to the place of darkness and sin to a bunch of people who are quite, in some ways, unnoteworthy. We don't don't read much about them. But what we do see that, uh, that there's a lot of people in those crowds who are looking to Jesus for healing. They're coming with great burdens. They're afflicted. A lot of them are poor. And all of them are desperate to see their lives changed. Jesus is an announcement. This kingdom is coming. It is an open invitation for anyone, for God to rule and reign in their lives. But God has chosen to reveal this to the overlooked, to the lowly, to to the people that we would never think the best life, that blessed life, (laughs) is being announced to these people. And Jesus is proclaiming there's a new way to live. The best way, and that is living with God as king in your life. That is what the blessed life is. And we can see in our passage the word blessed is used over and over and over again. Um, Blessed, what does it mean to be blessed? Um, You might know this uh, set of um, kind of blessings called the Beatitudes. Um, It comes from that Latin word that means um, blessedness. But the original words would have been in Greek, because that's the the language that Matthew wrote the original in. And the word that he used is a word called makarios. I hope I'm saying that right, because I don't know any Greek. Um, But it's makarios. (laughs) And we don't really have a word for it in English that kind of really translates it the way it really meant. Yes, we use the word blessed, but... Um, In other uh, words, uh, in in Greek, different kinds of writing in Greek, the word makarios means congratulations. The word makarios means happy, fortunate. Um, I've seen uh, it translated as well as how good is the life for that person. They are happy, they are blessed, they are fortunate. And we see it as well all throughout the Psalms and the wisdom literature of the Old Testament Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in the Lord. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. And so we see that it has that same meaning, that same understanding that we have, that blessing. It's not a different word. It means blessed, but it also means a bit more. Um, But I think what it does portray is that same idea that we have of being blessed, that when we look at people we look at and bless and we think they've got something good. Maybe they have a life of pleasure. Maybe they don't have any hardship or or suffering. They've got everything. They are blessed. Um, And when we look at these uh, beatitudes that we have this morning, um, if we were to take them with just the first part of the sentence, um, which is a lot of how it was used back uh, in the Old Testament, just the blessed is da-da-da. It was self-explanatory. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked kind of makes sense i can see why they're blessed if we were to read it the same way blessed is the poor in spirit happy are those who mourn fortunate are the meek how good is life for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness blessed are the merciful happy are the pure in heart fortunate are the peacemakers how good is life for those who are persecuted um I don't know what your reaction to this is. If you read it in the same way I read it, um, blessed life. Does it look like this, what is described? Does it surprise you what Matthew is announcing? Yeah? In a good way? Hmm. One to think about. This good life, this blessing, this blessed life, it looks very different. And it is challenging the ideas and the values that the world holds up as the good life, as the blessed life, isn't it? It's challenging and it goes against what our culture, what our world says. And as these crowds gathered to listen to Jesus, it would have been surprising for them too. These ideals that were held up by the Roman world were, yet those who are mighty, those who are famous, those who have wealth, those who crush their enemies and forge their own paths, they're the one who receive blessing. On the other side, this culture was, we um, had Jewish leaders of the day, the Pharisees, and they were holding up these ideals of religious uh, piety, of, of rituals, of purity, as the way to true blessing. So when Jesus was coming, announcing those who were blessed, The idea that the blessed might possess nothing at all. They might be hungry, humble, afflicted, humiliated. They will endure hardships and persecution. This was a total reversal of what they expected, what they were longing to hear. It was kind of a bit bonkers. And I think it's still bonkers to us to hear that. With the values that the world and our culture say is blessed. Jesus says this looks nothing what the, like what the world expects. And two things I just want to uh, clarify. These beatitudes, these blessings, they're not an entry requirement to that kingdom of heaven that Jesus proclaims. It's, it's both an invitation and a depiction of a new way of living, a total heart transformation when we fully submit to God's rule and God's reign in our life. Also, these beatitudes... They're to be taken as a whole. Um, They're not, you know, that verse about being meek, that one's for Bob, and the one about being merciful, that one's for Sarah. Bob and Sarah, all of the Beatitudes. James and Katie, all of the Beatitudes. Um, We're not supposed to pick and choose. These are our new picture of a new way of living. Um, I don't have... An awful lot of time here to, to unpack all of uh, what Jesus is saying, so I want to focus on a couple of the ones that we might stumble on the ones that um, maybe aren't so quite self explanatory, the ones that are a bit confusing, but also the ones I think just give us a true picture of what Jesus is saying. We'll start with the first one Blessed is the poor in spirit. What is poor in spirit? Well. Rather than that self-confidence, that self-reliance, that I've got this attitude, that the world values, that maybe your workplace, your, your Instagram feed tells you, yeah, you've got this. Jesus is speaking to the people who totally don't got this. They know that they can do nothing, bring nothing, achieve nothing on their own to be blessed. They are totally and utterly dependent upon God. When we are poor in spirit, um, some people describe this as being spiritually bankrupt. We've got nothing. And when we look at our brokenness, when we look at what we have, what we can do, we realise that there's nothing we can bring. We are totally dependent on God. And theirs is the kingdom of heaven, the good life. The blessed life is for those who know there is no way they can achieve it themselves. God can't fully rule and reign in our lives if we're running the show. It's a challenge to forego our pride, our ego, our own understanding, our own will, and acknowledging, and I think the hardest bit is trusting, that through God is the only way to the blessed life. The blessed are those who realise they completely need God. The second one, the second one that that Jesus brings up as well, is blessed are those who mourn. And I I don't know about you, um, but this one that I can read and sometimes um, it kind of touches a nerve with me a bit. I I feel a bit funny about reading that. Blessed are those who mourn. Um, I found a quote from Pope Francis which I found really helpful in understanding this. He said, by saying, blessed are those who mourn, Jesus does not intend to declare an unfortunate and burdensome condition to be happy. Suffering is not a value in itself, but a reality that Jesus teaches us to live with the right attitude. In our our world, um, we see it all the time, don't we, that that mourning that suffering, it's, it's inevitable almost, it's everywhere. It doesn't take much for me either to look around this room and, and know um, the pain of a loss that people have and are experiencing, um, that lof- loss of loved ones, maybe you're mourning a broken relationship, um, maybe it's a life that you once had, you're mourning, you're grieving, that life you once had before you had those health problems. Before there was that addiction, before that was it abuse. And on a bigger scale, we cannot help but read the news, can we? Can't walk outside our door into the city centre and not see the suffering in the wider world around us. Jesus is not saying that these things are good things. Jesus wants us to look at the reality of our world and see how God sees it. That this is not what God intended. This is not the kingdom life that God offers us. And when we look at the world, the brokenness and the sin in our own lives and in the the greater world around you, we should be deeply grieved and we should mourn how God mourns. And this is what Jesus is speaking to. Blessed are those who grieve, those who mourn the brokenness of the world. But we're not blessed because we mourn full stop. We are blessed. The blessed are those who mourn, but they will be comforted. They will be comforted. It's not the end. We are promised comfort. Jesus left us his Holy Spirit, which John describes as the comforter. We have that with us. But more than that, we are promised a time. It reads in Revelation, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That idea of the kingdom of heaven coming in all its fullness that is when we will be fully comforted. There will be no mourning, there will be no pain. And Jesus is alluding to this kingdom that is yet to arrive in all its fullness. We are blessed with that hope, though, that hope that when God's kingdom does come in all its fullness with a new heaven and a new earth, they will be our reality. There will be no more mourning. And and thirdly, um, I just want to look at the idea of hunger and thirsting for righteousness I don't know if you ate breakfast this morning. Did you eat breakfast this morning? I'm terrible. I always skip breakfast before I come to church because I know there's always good cakes at the back. Um, hopefully, you've managed to scoff a mini roll and you don't feel hungry this morning. Um, but we all, I don't know how hungry you get. And I get very hungry. Um, but I think we've all experienced that time, haven't we, where all we can think about is food. I am so hungry. Oh my goodness. We read last week, didn't we, about Jesus in the wilderness, not eating for forty days? Goodness me, I would—I don't—I I don't even want to think about what I would do with that hungry. But idea that idea—that all we can think about, all that we dream about, the only thought in our head—that's being hungry, that's being thirsty. And and Jesus, he says, he puts that with righteousness. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness is a bit of a churchy word, isn't it? It's a bit of a weird word. Um, Sometimes I don't really know what it means either. Um, But some people might describe righteousness as right relationship with. So you might have right relationship with God. That's the idea of righteousness. That right relationship with God and that right relationship with people. That yearning that God's will would be done. It's a desire for us in our own lives, but in the broader worlds around us that God's will we, will be done. a passion for social justice, a passion for God's way, not our way. Blessed are the one who deeply desire God's righteousness. they will be satisfied. I'm going to rush through now all of the others' blessings. And just pick out what I think is important for us to notice before I move on. All right, bear with me. Unlike what the world says, blessed are those who are ruthless and know when they have been wronged. Jesus says, blessed are those who show forgiveness, who show mercy, even to those who don't deserve it. That's what he's saying. Unlike the world when uh, your workplace or in your family life, it's not through assertiveness, it is through humility and it's through gentleness that we are blessed. Unlike those who want to be recognised for all the good works that they do, the goodness on the outside, Jesus is saying blessed is the one who cares about the goodness on the inside, that pure in heart. For the Pharisees, this would have been really surprising because all they were about was uh, cleansing and purification on the outside, but they weren't willing to change their heart. Unlike those that want to fight and stand up for what they believe to be right, we are called to, to be peacemakers. For a group of people, um, they're called the zealots in the time of Jesus. They were freedom fighters, wanting their um, their Israel back. They were fighting, and they would have been shot by Jesus' announcement to be peacemakers. And unlike those who seek the comfortable life, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Those for whom God's way is more important than their reputation, than their safety, than their comfort, blessed are the persecuted. Jesus' depiction of all these people who are blessed looks nothing like what we expect. It's nothing what the world tells us. And I think that there is great news in what Jesus is sharing. Because when we look at it, we realise that 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 blessed life, that good life, is completely independent from what we have, from who we are, from how people see us and how easy our life is. It's about Jesus. It's who he is. It's what he did for us and how he transforms our hearts completely, through that poverty of spirit, that hunger for righteousness, we realise the blessing is Jesus. And if we think back to those first hearers gathering around Jesus on the mount, the kingdom is coming, yes, get in, we are going to be rescued, we are going to be free. Jesus, he is coming to transform our situation. But what happens? Jesus was humiliated, he was tortured, and he was killed on the cross. When some of Jesus' disciples saw this, they actually packed up and went home. They were disappointed that the the person they thought had come to transform their situation had died on a cross. That looked like defeat. Nothing has changed Our situation hasn't changed. Jesus has died. Jesus hadn't transformed their outward situation, but he wanted to transform our hearts. Jesus is highlighting this blessing. It doesn't change from a change in our external situation. Blessing is not a lack of hardship or a life of comfort. But when God's rule and reign in our lives It will transform our hearts. And as we seek to participate in his kingdom now, here, with the promise of what is to come, that is true blessing. Seek first the kingdom of God, and this will be added to you, Matthew says later. Jesus is offering us peace. He's offering us a joy, a contentment that does not change with our situation. One commentator puts it this way, Jesus' teaching depicts a joy which has a secret within itself, a joy which is serene and untouchable and self-contained, that joy which is completely independent of all the chances and all the changes of our life. Our joy, our peace, our contentment, that blessed life we are so longing for is not dependent on what we have how comfortable we are, what we, what we don't have working. We are blessed even when the outside looks nothing like the good life at all. But I think the best news of all in all of this, the biggest blessing that gives us that fuel to keep going, when our life looks nothing like the good life, we're trying to hold on to what Jesus is saying It is that beautiful and glorious blessing of hope of that kingdom in all its fullness. It is coming. Jesus will come again. There will be a time when the earth is completely transformed. There will be no more suffering. We will be fully comforted, fully satisfied. We will see God in all of his glory. And we will be called his children for eternity. I don't know about you, but I find it refreshing and encouraging to read and remember this fullness of the kingdom coming. It is our fuel. It is that divine great blessing that we are hoping for. And when we reflect that Jesus wants to change our hearts, just a side note, Jesus can totally transform our situation. I'm not saying he cannot change our situation. We pray and we long for that too. But he cares more about the transformation of our heart, that we can trust in him. We can find joy and peace in him, even when it doesn't look like the good life. And I'm going to finish where I started. Are you living the good life? (coughs) If not, have you accepted that invitation of God to rule and reign in your life? Maybe that's the first step. That good life, that blessed life, it is on offer for all of us. Even those of us that don't look like the people that God would announce this to. The people who don't feel like they're the one that God is announcing this to. Are you living the good life? If not, maybe you've been a Christian for quite a while, maybe a short time, but you are pursuing Jesus. But right now, anything But the good life is what you see. I want to challenge and encourage you that are we chasing after that good life that the the world offers, that easy life, that lack of any hardship? Or are we striving to participate in the kingdom here and now? Are we looking to stuff? Are we looking to status? Are we looking to comfort for our blessing? Or do we look to Jesus and remember, his is the blessing? He has a great promise for us. We have a blessed assurance of what is to come. Are you living for good life? Thanks for listening. Christchurch Manchester is one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. To explore this sermon or learn more about our church, please navigate to the links provided in this podcast description. From there, you can connect with us on social media. And you're welcome to check out the music links featured in this episode from our very own musicians. You can also discover our current events and information about where we meet on Sundays and various groups or community projects that you can join in with. If you're interested in knowing more about us or wish to join us for one of our meetings, please reach out. Simply drop us an email at hello at ccm.org.uk. We look forward to connecting with you.